Hey, y'all. Welcome to Sips and Sensibility, where every week we talk about a different Jane Austen adaptation. This week, we're discussing the 2013 Emma adaptation YouTube series entitled Emma Approved. So this will be sure to be exciting. Well, Juliet, why don't you tell us what you're sipping on tonight? Well, ladies, I'm actually really excited to tell you what I'm sipping because I tried this beverage for the first time about a month ago and I've been dying to let you guys know about it ever since. It is going back to my roots, going back to the hot tea. It's a the Harney and Sons mm. hot cinnamon spice tea. And I'm about to do a little reveal on the camera for the sips, ladies, but I am literally drinking it out of <laughs> a bowl. <laughs> It's a, it's a mug that is the size of a bowl. Just that's how much I love this tea. Kind of the size of your head, TBH. All right. What about you, Lori? What you sipping? I'm currently drinking Izumi white wine. It is from a vineyard in Canada. And my parents have been holding on to that since like last Christmas. So I figured it'd be a good time to drink it. Beth, what are you sipping on? I'll give you guys one guess as to what I am sipping on tonight. Merlot from Trader Trader Joe's. Joe's. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I am drinking a Montera Merlot. Um, It's a 2018. It's very nice. My mom was kind enough. I I went through my um, two bottles of Trader Joe wine quickly ish. And so my mom was kind enough to bring me a um, a refill, another two bottles on her way back. Thanks, Charlotte. Shout out, Charlotte. It's really nice so far. I like it a lot. Okay, so before we dive into talking about this adaptation, I just want to talk first a little bit about what Emma Approved is. So far on this podcast, we've talked about a miniseries and we have talked about several films, but this is something very different. So Emma Approved is a web series. Um, It is located on YouTube and there's about 72, uh, exactly 72 episodes of it, which sounds very daunting until you realize that they are all about five to seven minutes. Um, And a web series is something that kind of gained popularity in like the 2010s. And really one of the things that catapulted it into um. I wouldn't say the mainstream, but like maybe the uh, YouTube world of literature nerds. The quirky, nerdy literature world. (laughs) Was this web series called The Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which is, I'm sure you've guessed, an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Shocking. Uh, And it is amazing. I discovered it at just the right time in high school. You know, I was struggling with being someone who really liked books and stuff and really loved Jane Austen when that wasn't necessarily the coolest thing. So finding the Lizzie Bennet Diaries on YouTube was a game changer for me. Um, They did such an incredible job of adapting it. And it's just amazing. I would highly recommend everyone watch the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. But it was produced by mainly by Bernie Sue and Hank Green. What? Hank Green is in John Green's brother, who is also in his own right, a famous author. Yes, yes. Love him. Follow him on TikTok, y'all. I feel like people are always surprised when I say that. Um, Yeah, Hank Green is one of the producers. It was 
partly his idea. And so they kind of have this company called Pemberley Digital and they made the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Well, after that was such a big success, they tried to do something else. And so their next project was Emma Approved, which is what we're going to be talking about today. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to web series. Along with the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, there's also a huge um, community on YouTube that's created web series YouTube adaptations for all kinds of literature now, a lot of classic literature, and also Shakespeare. And just a fun little fact, I wrote my senior thesis on a YouTube adaptation about Much Ado About Nothing, the Shakespeare play. So I just thought that that was an interesting little tidbit to mention that this really did catapult a big community. Yeah, I really appreciate that hat tip to web series. I, as Julia and Lori know, am someone who absolutely adores this form of adaptation. In college, I made, I made, let's see, three different web series of my own. One of them was complete and had 13 episodes. And many of those episodes are with Lori and Julia in tow. I, I could get into this a lot, but I read a lot of papers about it and love it. So all of that to say, if you enjoyed Emma Approved or you're interested in web series, please message us on Instagram at Pod, and we would love to give you some recommendations. Please do. I would also just like to mention that, that one of those web series that Beth made in with me in tow was called Juliet's Journal. And I had the honor. It was the honor of my life to play <laughs> Juliet. <laughs> Even like as a theater minor, that is still my favorite role played to date. So wow. thank you Beth, for that opportunity. It's one of my favorite things that I've ever created. I still regret that we didn't do an entire series. Hey, we still can. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, so just a few quick things to tell you about Emma Approved before we dive in. Um, really, I just want to kind of tell you what they did. So you know, obviously they took Emma and adapted it into a web series. But in order for it to be a web series, most of these are going to be modernized. And so they had to find ways to modernize Emma. And really the largest way that we see that here in this web series is that they actually made Emma and her kind of life into a business. And so we view the whole story through this, um, through really her webcam on her computer, but she's documenting her excellence. And she has a company where she she's basically a matchmaker and an event planner, but she says that she is the top person in lifestyle excellence. So we see her plan parties, we see her get couples together, we see her solve problems. And of course, that does sound like Emma, the Emma that we know. It's just all a little bit different. And so, of course, during the whole show, there's a lot of different things. Um, that you come to know, but really it's important to know that Emma is the head of this lifestyle excellence company. Knightley is her partner and Harriet ends up being her assistant. I also believe that Emma says that her company is partially funded by a group called Highbury Corporations, which is her Mm -hmm. dad's company. So he's like one of the main benefactors and reasons that she can do this. So that's just like a little Shout out Highbury. Thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I love the the way that they named things. It was really um it was really cool. So, what did you guys think of Emma Approved? Okay. Well, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and get us started. <laughs> um, so I love YouTube adaptations, much like Beth has said, Lizzie Bennett Diaries also was such a huge success for me. I remember I was sitting in the parking lot of CVS, of all places, huddled in the backseat of my family's minivan, watching 
just episodes on episodes of Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Um, So I love this format of show. One thing that Emma approved chose to do, which I think made it a little bit difficult for me to love. Most of the time when people are doing YouTube adaptations, they're saying, oh, I have to do a video journal for a class or I want to become a YouTuber. And so they just are talking to the camera about their lives. What Emma Proof did was, as Beth said, Emma told us that she was documenting her greatness. So we saw basically just she would talk to the camera attached to her computer at times. And then we would also see a lot of conversations. So One thing that stuck out to me the most about this adaptation was that I just felt like it was kind of awkward. And I hate to say that, but it was really hard to watch the actors trying to navigate, okay, do I look and have the conversation at the person that I'm in the room with or do I look at the webcam? Because everybody knew they were being recorded all the time. Um, You also don't get as many locations. There's like four total cameras used throughout the series. There's one in Knightley's office, Harriet's office, Emma's office, and then eventually in Jane's office when she's hired on. And so you're just seeing snippets of their lives. Um, So I enjoyed this adaptation overall. I felt like it was awkward and I felt like some of the details of Emma's life could have been fleshed out better in a way that would make it more believable and maybe less uncomfortable to watch, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I felt the same way. This is the third time that I have watched this series all the way through. And the first time I watched it was in high school. I had just watched the Lizzie Bennet Diaries and I was starved for more. And I was so excited to find Emma approved. And I think that they had just recently made it or when I watched it, they were still releasing episodes. I don't quite remember, but it was definitely very new at the time. And I loved it. And I was so happy to have something else. Of course, it was not the same for me as LBD, but it was still really good and I still loved it at the time. I watched it again in college for a class and I don't really remember what I thought about it. I mean, I just knew, I I just remember loving it. I don't remember having a lot of uh, critiques, but watching it again for this third time, uh, several years later, I was just kind of disappointed. It felt like, you know, when you have something that you love from your childhood and you go back to it later and it's just kind of a letdown. Mm. That's how this felt. Totally agree. Yeah. And I was really sad. I I just seriously, I felt terrible that I was like trying to force myself to get through it. Mm. And there's a lot of different reasons for that, but you know, part of it, honestly, part of it was the acting and and part of it was that it did feel kind of dated for me. Mm. You know, when I watched the Lizzie Bennett diaries, I can definitely tell it was something made in 2012 but it's not trying to be innovative and new. And Emma Approved does a lot of things like video calls and um, like a conference with Harriet and stuff Ray like that. Apple watches question. Yeah. And it just, I think that trying to make it new and modernized and techno- incorporating so much technology is part of why it doesn't hold up as well for me. And then I did find it kind of unbelievable that all the action takes place in front of the camera. And it just makes it kind of unbelievable for me. Whereas the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, you miss most of the action. You don't even see Darcy until over halfway through the series. And I loved that they withheld that. It was great. And you kind of find out everything through Elizabeth's perspective. They do something called costume theater. And that's how you get all of the information about what's going on. And of course, I love that. And so comparing this to that is just difficult. 
But honestly, that was a big part of it for me. I felt like not everything had to happen on the camera. I kind of wanted there to be some things that were withheld and then filled in later. And for the most part, that wasn't true in this. Yeah, I agree with both of y'all. It was good, but it was good for the type of show it was. Like for me, I don't know about y'all, but it felt like something that was done in like someone's basement, if that makes sense, where the other adaptations we've been watching are like, you know, decently produced, you know, bigger name um, movies um, or miniseries where, you know, they got television time or theater time. This is definitely not that. This is a YouTube adaptation, which, I mean, there are some high budget things on YouTube now, which is amazing. And go whoever is on there. And I think this is was a pretty high budget for the time. Yeah. But looking back, it just, it does not hold up as well. And as I've gotten older, I've definitely changed and my perspective has changed. So watching this now is like very different. And I think Julia will agree with me and like probably Beth too, that like the acting kind of hurt to watch as someone who's studied acting <laughs> and taking an acting class. It felt like at times that, you know, some characters didn't know what they were doing or what they were as the theater nerds will say, what is your goal? What is your goat to quote class? <laughs> What's your bigger purpose? What's your objective? You know, um, so that kind of threw me off. <laughs> um, but, you know, I appreciated it for what it was, to put it in a positive note. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you, Lori. The acting was definitely a little cringe at times. There are people who I did think did a great job acting-wise, and and I'll shout them out later on when we're talking about the characters. Um, but I definitely, everything that's been said, totally agree with. The nostalgia was there for me, but it didn't do enough. Um, I also feel like, to be fair, this is coming on the heels of us watching the 2020 Emma, which we all loved, what That's is probably true. going to be an Oscar-winning film. So having that in the back of our minds as we're watching this significantly lower budget compared to that YouTube adaptation with actors who are doing their best but not award-winning and um, maybe not as well-trained as Anya Taylor-Joy and Johnny Flynn, it's just not getting um it, it doesn't hold up i will say though they are award-winning as julia said earlier uh, they actually won an emmy for outstanding creative achievement in interactive media and i did notice that when i was watching it i mean it this part also seemed a little outdated but it was so so cool all the stuff that they had developed around it i think they had social media accounts for the characters and emma had a blog it was all about, you know, the looks that they were wearing at the end of every episode. They had the look and you could shop the look. And that was a really big thing that they were pushing, which is pretty cool. I think that is one thing that's really interesting about YouTube adaptations, too. And Emma proved this really well. You could interact with them in all kinds of different ways. Like they went so far as to have Pinterests, you know, Pinterest yeah. and Twitters and the blog, like Beth was saying, Harriet also sings in this adaptation. And yeah. so they would make playlists of people covering her songs. You're also seeing it in what would be real time. So you're waiting for answers and waiting for updates. And that's really cool. Um, 
of course, we didn't do that. We all binged it. But <laughs> when you were watching it as it was being created, that's something that's really interesting. They also did Q&As where people, where people could answer your question in character, which is a really interesting addition to normal media. One thing that I did want to mention that we sometimes talk about in this section is the music slash cinematography slash vibe. And as far as sound effects go, they were pretty minimal. You know, occasionally they would have beep-ins for intercoms, <laughs> sometimes music in the background. Um, but one thing I will give them was their intro theme tune was very catchy. It was. <laughs> so it was every, time, every time I was listening to the episodes, I had headphones in and my husband, who's working from home, would just hear me go, do-do-do-do-do, bing. Like, <laughs> it was like this really high-pitched bing at the end so he heard me make that noise 72 times so congrats to them for that i will say though the one sound effect that got on my ever loving nerve and honestly just like one i guess i guess it was included in the cinematography the way it was continued throughout the entire adaptation was the dang winks and then the sound effect after the wink so we've discussed our thoughts on the series as a whole. And as always, we're going to talk about the actors and our opinions of their portrayals. So Emma Woodhouse and Emma Approved was played by Joanna Sotomura, which I looked up how to pronounce her name. And I'm really sorry if I butchered that. What did you guys think of Joanna's portrayal of Emma? Personally, not my favorite Emma. See, with this adaptation, I don't know what Hank Green and the rest of the production company was doing, you know, like if they had like what we did, Julia, like in school with someone saying this is kind of the background of the character, you know, you had to like break down your own motives and everything. If they had that or they were just like, here's the script act, you know, like there's different methods to the madness, so to speak. So my method of acting might not be the same as hers. And I appreciate what she does but it is not to my cup of tea. Long story short. I think one thing that made it hard for me, again, was just during conversations, the awkward side eyes to the camera made it a little bit difficult. Another transition that they chose to make, Emma in this adaptation, obviously she's not the head of a big and important household. She is the daughter of pretty much a rich businessman is what we get, who uh, kind of in the upper echelon of society. Um, that take on Emma was a little weird for me. She was basically just rich and had good connections. Um, you she don't know. very out of touch. Yeah, very out of touch with normal life. She asks her friend Annie Taylor, who, you know, is Mrs. Weston, to make like 150 cupcakes for every event she does. And she's kind of not a very thoughtful friend. Another thing that was difficult for me too was one thing that I felt like maybe made it difficult for her to have clear direction was her business was a little bit questionable as to what they actually did. She, you know, like we said, she said she was a lifestyle guru, but at the very beginning, she was very clearly focused on matchmaking. She carried her friend Annie through matching her with somebody, then to planning her wedding. And then she moved on to pretty much solely event planning, but then she would also do independent consultations, which when they showed us a clip made me feel like you probably need to be a licensed therapist for that. So <laughs> I felt like her character 
from the script was kind of all over the place. And I think that read through in the portrayal of the character. Emma's character was a little bit silly. She cared a lot about fashion and appearance. And she was always over budget. And Alex Knightley, her who took care of the business side of things, was always kind of having to talk her down. The so account this, question mark? Yeah. This portrayal made Emma kind of hard to like. I kind of agree with you, Julia, about what you're saying about Emma. I do think part of it was just the, the place that they put her in and, and maybe part of it was the acting. It did feel like a more overdramatic Emma than what I really am used to or wanted. She didn't come off... She just came off as kind of silly. Like a lot of things she did really bothered me. You know, we keep asking, or I keep asking myself this question of whether or not I liked Emma. I don't think I really liked Emma a lot until the end. Mm-hmm. And I do feel very, especially after watching 72 episodes, I feel very endeared to that version of Emma. And I do like her. And I, like I said, this is a very important show show for me and it was great at the time that I found it. And, and so I do love her and her portrayal of Emma because of that. But critically, do I think it was the best acting? Probably not. Do I think they could have done maybe something slightly different with Emma and it might've worked a little bit better? I do. Now, that being said, something that I appreciated about this adoption overall, but especially this role, is I just love that we did not have another white blonde Emma. It wasn't the same. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't the same that we'd always seen. And I really appreciated that with this adaptation, they could make diverse casting choices and they chose to do that. I really liked that about this. I appreciated that. Oh, yeah. I really did, too. I, I think on the first note that you were mentioning, Beth, uh, that was one thing that did really stick out to me was that the last 10 episodes are pretty much when Emma kind of has her redemption arc. And those last 10, 10 episodes were honestly some of my favorite of the show. Me too. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was because Emma was just so incredibly silly and a little bit, she was silly and selfish and... Uh, snooty, I guess, at the beginning. And so that did make it hard to be invested in her story. But the last 10 episodes, you saw some real emotion. And I think they gave Joanna kind of more depth to work with. And I I think she pulled it off pretty well. I agree. So now let's talk about that leading man, Mr. Knightley, who in this adaptation is actually called Alex Knightley instead of George. Al. Al, and he is played by Brent Bailey, who, again, uh, has gone on to guest star in some shows. Um, He was actually a guest star on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I really liked him. I The thing that stood out to me the most, though, was the whole time I was like, this is literally Jim from The Office. He is (laughs) Jim from The Office. I had another comparison in my mind, actually. I... I really liked Brent Bailey's portrayal of Knightley. So in this adaptation, he's the kind of the accountant business side person for Emma's lifestyle business. And so I just thought of my husband because he was the numbers practical guy. And he was also so sweet in this episode. He was the grounding force of 
making sure Emma was caring about people. Um, he has a really strong relationship with Miss Bates. He's very caring to Harriet and Jane. And I loved seeing that really sweet, tender side of Knightley. So honestly, Knightley was one of the things that really made this series for me, especially those beginning episodes when Emma's kind of hard to like. Yeah, I loved him so much. And I liked that we got to see so much of him. He was included in a lot more of the story, I think, because he worked there at the company. And so he would come in for small bits and all of that. that He's not necessarily included in, especially in the other adaptations. He was constantly snooping at the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonder why. <laughs> I also thought, speaking of that, Alex and Emma had really great chemistry. There was a lot, almost from the beginning, I think, um, Joanna and Brent kind of flirting and joking around with each other. Emma would kind of playfully push Alex quite a bit. And I thought their flirtation was really cute. And you could really see how deeply Alex Knightley cared for Emma um, pretty early on. Didn't they actually date in real life? If they didn't, I would be shocked because they had really good chemistry. I was uh, hitting up them comments. You know how like a YouTube mm-hmm. video will play and you just like automatically scroll to the comments and like look at what people are saying? I actually never did that. <laughs> but there's like several comments where it's like at this point is when she said he or at this point is when she said that she knew he liked her or something. So I'm pretty sure they did it in real life. Wow. But I I liked this nightly in the end. At the beginning, I definitely thought he was kind of a pushover. Not gonna lie. Um, but that was just kind of like the interactions they set up to be filmed. Um, but I liked him in the end. He was, I feel like, a much more softer nightly, if that makes sense. Like, he was still, like, firm in his objectives, but he was, like, more soft around the edges. Not a harsh square. I think that translated well into what Mr. Knightley would have to be as a modern man, if that makes sense. Um, It takes what Jane Austen gave him in the 18th century and then brings it back into the 21st century really well. Now that we've discussed Knightley, let's move on to Harriet, who's played by Diane Hutton. I liked her. I like her too. I really loved Harriet in this. I I didn't think that the acting was necessarily perfect, but I loved what they did to Harriet, making her that position and the way that Emma came alongside her. It was kind of funny because they were so emphasizing the like, you are my like person that does things for me kind of role. But I really liked it. I thought it worked really well for the adaptation. I felt it was fitting, you know, that she was the assistant. Yeah. And then like got promoted at Mm. the end, you know, like, That was a good progression. Yeah, instead of Harriet becoming more refined like she does in the classic versions of Emma, Harriet kind of moved up in the world. She gained more confidence and her career took off, which was a really cool and, you know, modern take. One thing I will say is that although I thought Harriet was a really sweet character, super likable, very kind, she was really awkward. And that was, I think, the main thing that Emma's working on with her, kind of her awkwardness and her lack of self-confidence. But she was so awkward at the beginning of the series that, again, a little hard to watch. Um, yeah. 
I will say though that her relationship with Martin was very sweet. I liked oh, it was Martin so well. cute. It was so cute. Yes, Harriet and Robert were adorable, and I did love that you got to see a little more of their interactions than maybe you normally do. Yeah, normally you never see that much. I really liked it. One thing that I thought was really cool or interesting about Harriet to Emma is that I picked up on a lot of Glinda Elphaba vibes in terms of her makeover for Harriet, Mm. which I don't always feel that way when I watch Emma giving Harriet a makeover, but I definitely felt Elphaba Glinda vibes in this song. Like Emma's totally going to make Harriet popular. Yes. (laughs) Moving on from Harriet, let's discuss this adaptation's take on Frank Churchill, who's played by Stephen Chang. I will say I felt like this was the most Southern frat Frank we have seen yet. He was pretty cute, too. Yeah, he was cute. And, like, I liked his face. But (laughs) when I was watching it, I will admit, at some points, I was puzzling while listening. I did have it open next to me. Sorry, ladies. Um, But I heard his voice, and I went, wait, what? And I, like, turned and looked, and I was like, that's the face voice. I wasn't connecting. And I was like, yeah, no. He's he's the stuck-up rich frat boy who thinks he can get every woman is, like, the vibe I was getting. Gosh, I feel like we really come at frat boys in this podcast. <laughs> I do love y'all. I just want that to be known. But, like, please use your brains. I feel like they're probably not listening, so I think it's okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's a very valid point. Point one percent of men who are listening to this, if there are men listening to this, we do love you. Well, I really liked this, Frank. I did feel like he was really kind of nasty to Jane. Mm-hmm. It's It felt like it was more, I think because it was more obvious that he liked her, it felt more pointed and wrong to hear him say those things and maybe that's also because it's modern but i mean they make it pretty obvious to the the audience if i'm being honest i skipped through all the q a's uh but they played automatically and at the beginning of the sixth q a you see frank kind of like it's the camera at jane's desk and you see frank like kind of crawling up to jane before he realizes that he's on camera yeah and he big flirted with her during that q a yeah so that reveal was you know, it, it wasn't really a surprise to the audience. It shouldn't have been a surprise to the audience when it came. But it just made me so happy that he treated her like a jerk and then she broke up with him. I was mm-hmm. like, heck yes, Jane. Deserved it. And you want to talk about someone who treated a woman like trash? Mr. Elton, mm. may I just say, uh, I'm sorry, the help is going to be in the kitchen straight to Harriet's face is just like, oh boy. Yeah, he was kind of nastier than the book. He was a big jerk. I did want to say one thing that I really liked that this adaptation kind of brought to light more than most to do. There was big parallels between Frank and Jane's relationship and Emma and Knightley's relationship. They really played on Jane and Knightley are so similar and Frank and Emma are so similar. And Frank and Emma also had good chemistry. Their friendship was really kind of, you know, it was hard to watch at times because they were both in bad places, <laughs> but uh, they had good repartee. And you really saw kind of the comparison of these two maybe silly or people with two um, more practical people. And so I thought that was a really interesting comparison yeah. that I felt like they drew. 
So I know that this is kind of a weird case, uh, just because of the nature of it. But just the book to movie accuracy, like, what would you say about it? Or like, what this adaptation did with it? I feel like for most of it, it was pretty solid. But there was just a couple of like really random breaks from the plot, uh, like the storyline with her sister. Yeah, which like, I did like a lot, but was definitely a huge divergence. From and the I plot. feel like it's very accurate to like you know real relationships. There's issues, um, you know as. <laughs> Both of you know, and I don't actually. <laughs> I do feel like we should give a quick little, for those people who haven't seen this adaptation, what we're discussing is Emma at one point consults with her sister to help her marriage. So basically her sister is feeling like she doesn't have any say in their marriage and she wants to go back to school. And so Emma decides to kind of consult with her and help her fix those issues. And everything resolves nicely, but that's definitely not something that happens in the book. One thing that I did um, think, though, is that it is pretty clear in the book that although Isabella and John are married, they don't always seem like they have the best relationship. They both definitely have flaws. So I felt like in some ways it made sense Especially after watching the 2020 Emma and kind of seeing what they did mm-hmm. with the two of them. And just they obviously got a very weird and me trying relationship. So I thought it was funny that this one did emphasize that. I don't remember. For some reason, that's like I didn't remember that from watching it the other two times. But I did like that subplot. The other thing that was weird to me as book to movie was Annie's baby shower. And it took me a little while to realize what that was supposed to be from from the book. So what did you guys think about that part? What was that supposed to be from the book? I think that it was supposed to be the time at Knightley's house. Like, so when they go to Knightley's house and they're picking strawberries, oh, I think strawberry that's what that was supposed thing. to be because I didn't connect that's that. when Jane leaves early and Frank gets really upset and he's being weird So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that they chose it to have it be Annie's baby shower, but it makes complete sense what they did with Frank and Jane during that scene. Okay, that does make sense. I thought at first that you were going to go for the whole Annie at the very beginning deciding she doesn't want to uh, marry Mr. Weston, which was very not a part of the plot. Yes, Mm -hmm. you're right. Sorry, but no. Yeah, I... You know, I think I remember thinking that when I was watching it too, and I it, I just forgot. But I thought that that was another thing that they did that, again, made it hard for me to like Emma. Um, but it does kind of make sense in some ways with the modernization. Emma's got a lot on her mind at that point, um, you know, between Harriet and her flirtation with Frank that probably her relationship with Mrs. Weston was kind of on the back burner, but I did feel like it made it hard again for me to like Emma. Okay. So this is normally the point in the show where we would talk about the proposal scenes. And we obviously did not have proposal scenes in this. So for Elton, he actually comes on as one of Emma's clients. He is not a clergyman, but he is a state Senator and Emma Yes, Emma is there to try and find him a match. But of course, while Emma is trying to set him up with Harriet, he actually falls in love with Emma. 
And there is a reveal scene where he asks her to, I guess, be his girlfriend, where he kind of admits his feelings, but it's, you know, it's not a proposal. So what did you guys think of that and that storyline? I think that was supposed to be like, we would, his vision of we would be well matched, you know, like in the book, he was like, I want an advantageous marriage, you know, that whole thing. Um, and so he's like, I'm a state senator. You're really good at party planning. You'd be a good <laughs> senator's wife because you can schmooze with people. You know, like that whole thing, which I understand the vibe they were going for, but like didn't really settle with me. <laughs> I felt like one thing that happened in this adaptation was during that scene, I had absolutely no sympathy for Elton. And I don't always have sympathy for Elton, but he just was clearly in it for the advantageous match didn't care about emma he had also been previously so rude to harriet and again was so rude talking about her in this scene that i'd say the main thing i left this scene thinking was wow elton is such a pretentious jerk yeah i definitely really did not like him well what did you guys think about the nightly emma scene of course again not a proposal but a very very sweet admittance of love that kiss though oh yeah those were very passionate kisses she just, just wa- grabbed him yes just from watching them kiss i was like mm, i'm pretty sure they dated uh, yeah i thought this was really sweet and again as i said i thought this was just such a sweet nightly and at this point emma has had a pr- like a really believable and moving redemption arc and so I was really rooting for them and I thought the reveal of her figuring out she loved him it was just a very satisfying scene and I was really happy for both of them I really believed their love like I said their chemistry was just so good and so this scene I think was probably honestly my favorite part of the I adaptation. will say for this I really believed the line and it was very well delivered of Nightly saying, Mm. if I loved you any less, I could speak about it, speak about my love more. Yeah, which he says in every, pretty much every adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I obviously people like directors and everyone have decided that's the important line to include, (laughs) Mm -hmm. as we've seen. Mm -hmm. But I really believed that it was him saying that genuinely. Yeah. I really appreciated that. This is one of the few scenes where they kept the dialogue pretty much the same. And it was pretty consistent among all the adaptations. Honestly, although in a lot of ways, this adaptation doesn't totally stack out to the other ones that we've seen. I'd say this scene was definitely up there. And Knightley's delivery of that line is possibly in the top three. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just loved the scene there. Truly, this I think this is part of the reason I love this series and why even though it was a little bit disappointing on this rewatch, it was still so sweet and those last few episodes were so enjoyable is because of their relationship and just how good that admittance of love is. Mm-hmm. There's definitely something about that line that just hits differently when it's in a period piece, you know, like when it's the lighting's right and the actors dress correctly mm-hmm. and you just see the longing in his eyes but he can't touch her you know like <laughs> that whole thing but like it also was like oof when he said that in the modern adaptation like it like transferred very well to me mm-hmm. we have varying opinions on this adaptation 
Uh, what were y'all's make it or break it? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Julia, please tell us. Okay, so my make it, I feel like it, I, I made it pretty obvious. My make it was nightly. I thought mm-hmm. that Brent Bailey did an amazing job. His portrayal of this character transferred really well to the modernized version. And I loved this version of nightly. So Brent Bailey and nightly were my make it. And my break it was... Emma and her interactions with Caroline Lee, who is this version's adaptation of Mrs. Elton. And again, there's like a little crossover there to Lizzie Bennett. But the interactions between Caroline Lee and Emma and that whole series of events, uh, no, that broke it. (laughs) Did not like. Well, Julia, once again, we are at odds. (laughs) Every time. This is why we're best friends, y'all. Yeah. Okay, so my so my soft make it is that Caroline Lee is Mrs. Elton in this adaptation. I just thought that was amazing. I did think it was a cool choice. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that I necessarily like loved their interactions or anything, but I just really appreciated the Lizzie Bennett Diaries crossover. And after watching the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, you really, really do not like Caroline. And so having her in the Mrs. Elton role kind of fuels that provides that hatred that you're supposed to have for Mrs. Elton, and you pretty much get it right away if you <laughs> have seen Lizzie Bennett Diaries. For those who haven't seen the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, she plays Caroline Bingley. Yeah, so in this adaptation, it's Caroline Lee, but it's essentially Bingley. So my break it is just myself. Um, I broke this for Please me. Please explain. Because my expectations uh, were just so high of where I kind of held this and it's a seam and I just let myself get disappointed easily. I can't decide if that's a cop out or not. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> but my my hard make it, especially my soft make it, but my hard make it is just Hank Green and Bernie Sue and all that they accomplished in this because while we are critiquing Emma approved it is truly groundbreaking and what they did at Pemberley Digital is just incredible and brought, you know, bringing new life to literature is really hard and trying to come up with a way to modernize it is challenging. I mean, heck, I modernized two episodes of Romeo and Juliet and it took me a long time to figure out how I wanted to do it. Um, so I'm just really, I just want to applaud them for all the hard work they did on this show and for their other shows. I mean, they have done a bunch of them. You can go um, online, just search Pemberley Digital and you'll find a plethora of literature web series adaptations that are just true gems out there on the internet. My, I'm going to go with Break It's first because I have two, one serious and the other one like not personally offended me, but you know, we'll go with that. Uh, the first actual break it was the winking and then the sound effect. I thought it was excessive and it really annoyed me. Um, the second break it, and my best friends will immediately get this, is Emma says a line immediately after she hires Harriet. Harriet's not there. And it's, who majors in library science? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about this when I was watching it. As someone who is currently <laughs> a librarian 
and is majoring in library science. In grad school. In grad, it's a master's degree, may I tell you. A, a technology master's degree is technically Ooh. classification. I know, right? Uh, I'm offended. And uh, we are, as you said, good researchers, and I can find out lots of information. So shout out to all of us librarians and masters and library science people. We are smart and do not let this discourage you. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, my make it for this was that there was more diversity in the cast. Like everyone wasn't just a very pretty white person, you know, like they included everyone. And I really appreciated that because, you know, a lot of period dramas are not diverse, even though historically people are different. Um, so I really appreciated that in this. Well, Lori, who would you date from this adaptation? <laughs> well, I have a lot of choices, don't I? Um, I would say, to be specific, uh, the later half of Nightly. <laughs> <laughs> like, post him coming back, I would, I would pick him. I like him. Yeah. I totally approve of your choice. I totally understand. Thank Especially you. Especially because he reminds me of my husband. So. <laughs> <laughs> he reminds me of Jim from The Office and I love him. Yeah. So. I'm make it clear, not taking Austin from you. Oh no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Julia, how was that tea? The bowl of tea. <laughs> I finished. Head. I finished the bowl of tea. Ooh. <gasps> Wow. It was it was delightful. It's the perfect fall or winter drink. Like I said, it's hot cinnamon spice, so it's really bold. It's got a little bit of that like big five cinnamon gum flavor to it, but but more true cinnamon, if that makes sense. I actually drink it every morning um, instead of coffee because I'm trying to get off of that. <laughs> so I would highly recommend the Harney and Sons hot cinnamon spice tea to anyone who wants a good winter tea. Hmm, that's good to know. How is that drink, Beth? Uh, my Merlot was very good. I don't think that's <laughs> super surprising to anyone. Uh, this is actually kind. I don't think I've tried before. Um, like I said, it's the brand is Montera. And I really enjoyed it. It went down very nice and smooth. And this is actually the first pour from this bottle. So it's really good. Ooh. I have a really bad habit of opening bottles and then not drinking them for a while like a couple weeks and then they get kind of bad yes. <laughs> so i really enjoyed having so i actually had two glasses of wine i had uh, one earlier this evening with my dinner and that one had been open for quite some time and so it was not as good and then i had this one which was much better so i would highly recommend also, I would highly recommend drinking your wine when you open the box. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as what experts. Good tip. All right, what about you, Lori? How was your drink? It was very good. I will say this is not a sipping drink. Like, you can actually drink this like a normal human being, uh, which is dangerous. Please mind your alcohol content, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but I, too, have had more than one glass of wine. I had a glass with dinner. Uh, from the same bottle, though, and it was very, very good. Yeah, I should say that I did finish mine. Did you finish yours, Lori? I did finish mine. My Yeti wow, is empty. look at us. We're all clean cup rangers. 
All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode where we got to talk about the web series, Emma Approved. If you liked this episode, please give us a rate or review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, I think we're up to 15 ratings now. And guys, that means so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, please continue. Um, We really welcome your feedback. Um, You can contact us anytime on Instagram. And we are at Sips and Sensibility Pod. Um, You can follow us there or you can like us on Facebook at Sips and Sensibility. We sure hope this episode was Emma approved. Just a real quick thing before we close up here today. I would like to shout out someone of my own. Well, I would just like to say a very happy birthday to my main man, Adam Driver. He turned 37 <laughs> oh today. Oh, my gosh. I did not know where that, that was going. <laughs> On another note, <laughs> the winner of this week's shout-out is Emma Foles, who's on Instagram at the Paper Rose Design Co. So you guys should definitely check out her page for some really cool designs. Thank you so much for interacting with our Instagram, and thanks for listening. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we really hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Sips and Sensibility. I know we had fun making it, and we hope you have fun listening to it. Our next episode will be on, drumroll, thank you, Julia, Clueless, the great 90s hit. If you want to watch it with us, you can find Clueless pretty much anywhere, but to watch it for free with a subscription, you can watch it on Netflix. We hope you had a great time tonight. We had fun making this, and we will see y'all next time. Until then, keep sipping, y'all. <laughs>